do you know this man? Michael Johnson, he's a former American athlete, well-known in the 1990s. That's when he competed. He's a former world record holder in the 200 meters, current world record holder in the 400 meters. He won four Olympic gold medals, two in one Olympics in 96 in Atlanta. He's world champion eight times, great sprinter, famous for his running style. He had an upright style. You might recognize him currently from the BBC commentary team on the athletics. Why am I talking about Michael Johnson? Well, for me as a young teenager growing up in the 1990s, he was a great inspiration for me as a young athlete. I saw him compete. I saw his success. I thought, yes, that's great. I want to be like that. I want to earn that gold medal, stand on the rostrum. Obviously never happened. I read his autobiography, and that was a great help to me as well in many different ways. But I never got to meet Michael Jack Johnson. The closest I got to him was probably about 100 meters. But I never got to meet him. So you may say that I knew a lot about him, but you wouldn't say that I really knew him or knew him personally. See, in many languages, there are two words for the word know. One meaning knowledge, having knowledge about something, and one about relationship, knowing something personally. And that's the difference, isn't it, between knowing about somebody or something and knowing them personally. It's relationship. I don't have that personal relationship with Michael Johnson. But what about God? Can we have a personal relationship with God? Can we know God? Many different views and opinions, of course. We live in a very pluralistic society, and people have all sorts of ideas of, of what that is, of who God is, even if there is a God at all. Who decides who he is? Who decides what he's like? Can we know God? Well, as we read Philippians chapter 3, we saw there that Paul tells us that we can know God. We can know God through Christ. It's his desire to know Christ. Not just to know about him as a far-off God, but to know him personally. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. First half of the chapter, he's defending the gospel of grace, isn't he, against those who are seeking to preach works. Now, we don't have time to go into a lot of detail in this chapter. There's a lot of really good stuff, and it would take a few sermons to go into the detail. But just to have a sweep overview of the chapter, but focusing in on that phrase, I want to know Christ. What does it mean to know Christ? Initially for salvation, but also what does it mean to know Christ continually through our life as we live for him? But ultimately, what does it mean to know Christ fully? on that great and final day. So firstly, to know him personally through faith. I don't know many of you. I've met some of you, but I don't know all of you here this morning. So I'm going to ask you this question, whoever you are, do you know God personally in a relationship through Jesus Christ? Do you know Christ? Paul's concern at the beginning of the chapter as in lots of his letters, is the defense of the true gospel. In Philippi, there were people who, often they were Jews, called Judaizers, who were saying to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, you need to become like us to be a true Christian. 
For you to be a real Christian accepted by God, you need to be circumcised, for example. And Paul is teaching and preaching against this. He uses some quite harsh words, doesn't he, in verse 2, calling them dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. This is wrong, and Paul is seeking to try and, and stop it. Because Paul's gospel, the true gospel of Jesus, is one of faith. Those people had confidence in their flesh, in, in who they were, in what they did. That was what was important in knowing God. But Paul is saying, no, what's important is having confidence in Jesus Christ. But Paul says, well, just hold on a minute. If it is true that we can know God by who we, who we are, our identity and what we do, then, hey, look at me. Surely I have more confidence, should have more confidence in myself than anyone else. And in verse 5, he lists those great things, his history, and his family history, his credentials, his success in being a Jew, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He's saying, surely if anyone should have confidence knowing God and God being pleased with him, it's me. Look at my life. Look at who I am. But it's not the case anymore with Paul. Something's changed. Something is completely different in his life. And it was the Damascus Road. It was meeting Jesus Christ personally there on that day. Because now, what does he say in verse 7? He says, whatever were gains to me, all these things that I thought I had confidence in, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake I've lost all things. They're garbage, Paul says. What's important is not who I am and what I've done, but Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done and my trust in him. But how easy is it for us to slip into the same trap? How easy is it for us to think about who we are, perhaps our background, things that we've done or things that we do, to slip into having confidence in our own flesh? It's something that I continually struggle with. When I think of being a teenager, this was definitely me making a list of of who I was, being brought up in a godly Christian family. My parents were in leadership in the church. My grandparents were missionaries. I went to church. I knew all the answers in Sunday school. But did that make me right with God? I'd made a commitment when I was a young child, and, and I'm sure that was real and genuine. But as a teenager, that was my faith was real mixed up with works and thinking that I should have to please God, that he's accepted accepts me because of who I am and what I've done, and therefore I I try to do more and more. But then when I was 18 years old, all that pride, all that self-confidence, I was broken away. Through various events that happened during my upper sixth at school, God broke that pride. He showed me that it's not about you. He showed me that even though you, yes, do good things, really look at all the bad things that you also do. You're not worthy to be my son. And going to university the year after, God retaught me grace. And I recaptured what it truly means to know God in Christ. It's not about me. 
It's about the Lord Jesus and what he has done. But what has he done? What does Paul tell us that it is about Christ that means that what he has is, is garbage? Well, he talks about Christ's righteousness, doesn't he? Verse 9, what matters is being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, from doing things, but that which comes from God on the basis of faith. You see, Paul took all his family history, all his spiritual credentials, all his uh, success as, as, a, as a ruler, and he compared them with Christ and Christ's righteousness. Well, there was no comparison. It was all rubbish and garbage and, and, and worthless. It wasn't going to make him right with God. It wasn't going to get him into heaven, as we thought about earlier. What mattered was Christ's righteousness. Because he lived that perfect life. And he died that perfect, perfect death. He stood in our place. He took on the punishment of sin for us so that through faith in him, believing and trusting in him alone, we may be put right with God. That through his resurrection, we too would receive eternal life through faith in Christ. And so when we ask the question this morning, do we know Christ? That is what we mean. I'm not talking about do you know about God? Do you come to church each week? Do you read your Bible and say your prayers? But have you trusted in Christ for your salvation? Or are you trusting in yourself and what you do? The truth is, when we compare the two, it's, it's nothing. Who we are is, is nothing. It's, it's garbage. And so therefore, we need not to trust in who we are or what we've done, but to trust in Christ through faith. But coming to know God and knowing Christ, it's, it's not just that initial thing when we do it, when we become Christians, but it's a lifelong experience. It's a lifelong walk and journey. So if you are trusting in Christ this morning, fantastic, but are you continually getting to know God? Are you wanting to know him more, more and more through suffering, as we'll look a little bit in this passage? One way God uses for us to become more like Christ is through suffering. Now, if you've ever fallen in love, then you know the great passion and joy and desire it is to spend that time with the person you love. You want to get to know them. You want to learn about them. You want to share time with them and share your life with them. You want to see how you how you get on together. The whole world revolves around them. You want to give your money to 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 bless them. You want to you think about them all the time. Your behaviour is is affected and changed because of the person you love. Now, not in a romantic way, but in a similar way it's true when we first become Christians. That initial joy of all that Christ has done for us, it changes us. I'm sure you've seen it if you've been a Christian a long time and you see someone new become a Christian. There's a real joy in their lives. They want to know God more and more. They want to tell everybody about him. They come to all the Christian events and there's a real zeal for God, and that's good. But often, through life's experiences, our passion dwindles. Maybe we face opposition. Maybe there are doubts. Maybe our prayers don't seem to be answered. Maybe we're distracted by the world and things going on around us. And so our focus goes off Jesus. Now, when that happens in a marriage, it's a dangerous place to be in. 
and it's also a dangerous place to be in in your Christian life. And so Paul wants to make it his his life to know Christ better. And that's what we should want to do as Christians, is want to know Christ more and more. And he talks about um, pressing on, doesn't he? Verses 12 and 14. And he uses this metaphor of a race. Let's read those verses together. He's just said how he wants to know Christ, to share in the sufferings, and he wants to ultimately reach the resurrection from the dead. But he says, verse 12, not that I've already obtained this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. That metaphor of a race as he runs to win the prize, forgetting what's behind, straining forward to what is ahead. Christ has won salvation for him. He has righteousness in Christ. Christ has given him eternal life. That's what he's come to take hold of. And Paul wants that. And so he lives his life to aim to get it. What does Paul mean when he talks about forgetting what is behind? Or maybe he's talking about his his past life when he was a Jew, a time when he was trusting in himself, in his, in his flesh, in his works. Maybe he wants to forget the time when he was persecuting the church and arresting people. Maybe he also wants to simply forget the success he's already had as a Christian, planting churches and writing all these letters in the New Testament. Paul doesn't want to allow anything that's in the past to hinder him from moving forward to what God has in the future. The danger can be that sometimes our past failures, our past sins, or even our past achievements and success can hinder us from moving forward with the Lord. I know there are times when I can be distracted by looking at at the things that I've done and, and seeking glory for myself. It takes my eyes off Jesus and we can rest on our laurels. But at the same time, we can look back and we can see the sin we can see the same sins that keep coming back and we, we feel defeated and we feel hopeless and we think that we, we can't go on with God. We're never going to grow as a Christian because we can't get over these sins in our lives. And these things can, can hinder us from growing and becoming who God wants us to be. It's easy, isn't it, for us to, to believe in grace for salvation, but then to want to maintain our faith through our works. But the wonderful truth of grace is that it is sufficient for each new day. The great thing about the gospel is that God is faithful and he is just. And when we come to him and we confess our sins, he will forgive us. And so we need to not allow the past things in our lives to hinder us from moving forward. The Christian life is often described as a marathon. I'm sure you've heard that analogy before. Not a sprint, but a marathon. We're always moving forward towards that finishing line. And Paul uses an interesting word here to describe what it means to go forward. He says, striving. Doesn't he? Striving forwards. Because the Christian life is not easy. It's difficult. We move forward not to gain the prize and earn the prize, 
but we strain forward because it's tough. There's no time for complacency. We're going to face difficult things in life and we need to push through them with God's help. Often the things that we face are going to be difficult for us. Maybe we'll face persecution. People in your family, people in your workplace, your neighbours who don't like your faith, who question you with difficult questions, who um, just reject you as a friend because of, of who you believe in. We'll face temptations. We'll struggle with sin. We'll take our eyes off Jesus and focus on, on life as, as, as he would, and that's now, on family matters, on money, on, on work, on, on illness. And all these things take our eyes off Jesus. But Paul says, no, we must strain forwards and keep going, trusting in God. Because we know that actually in those hard times, through the difficulties, that it's, it's in that time that God changes us. That God makes us more like him. Have you noticed that? Experiences of illness, perhaps in your own life or others. Big changes, disappointments that you've experienced. Times when the Holy Spirit has touched particular sins in your life and exposed them to you. It's hard, it's difficult. But yet he does that because he wants to to change you. He wants to make you more like Jesus. A few years ago, I lived in Poland. I was there teaching English. And the first month that I was there was really tough. I wanted to give up and come home. And I'm not a quitter. It was a new place, a new culture, new people, freezing cold weather. They spoke a language that was very, very strange for me. Still strange for me. I was living in a top floor of a, of a high-rise block of flats. The method of English I was asked to teach was, was bizarre. It was just hard. I felt vulnerable, I felt broken, I felt in need, I felt desperate, I felt I can't, I usually can deal with these things, but I couldn't. Another time of of breaking. But actually, I rejoiced that I went through those experiences. Why? Because I grew to know God more. He showed me more about who he is. He showed me more about myself, sin to be repented of. He showed me more about the gospel. And I rejoiced in it and grew as a Christian. What about you? What about the times when you are convicted of sin in your life? Do you suppress it? Do you walk away? Do you forget it? Do you hide it? Do you try and justify it and struggle and fight through in your own strength? What if you go through difficulties? Maybe you face opposition right now with people in your own family, people in your work, and you know that tomorrow morning you're going to have to face those difficult questions. How do you respond to those things? Do you fear? Do you keep quiet? Do you back away? Do you pretend that you're not a Christian? God wants us to trust him, to stand strong, to remember the glorious truth of the gospel, to look for those opportunities and ask him to help us to know what to say. God wants us, as we live day by day in our home, with our families, in our workplace, in our social life, wherever it is we go, he wants us to to become more like Christ and to take Christ with us. Jonathan, you're heading off, where is he, there he is, to serve God in a foreign place. All of us are serving God every day, wherever we are. We don't have to go to a foreign country to serve God. We do it right here and now. 
But Jonathan, as you leave to serve in a, a different context, uh, the new place that you'll go to, I'm sure you'll face difficulties in those initial weeks particularly. What are you going to do? Are you going to trust in God? Forget what is behind, learn from it, but don't rest on it. Trust in God and strain forward in his strength, in his might, by the power of his spirit, becoming more like Christ as you live and serve him. Because the joy is, as we become more like Christ, we're better able to share Christ with others. As we live him, people see Christ. That's our prayer for you, Jonathan, that as you live Christ, even before you speak of Christ, people will see him in your life. So if we're trusting in Christ this morning, let us forget what is past. Let us strain forward to what is ahead, looking to want to grow in our Christian lives. And then thirdly, we know that life will not go on forever, but the one day Jesus is going to return. And on that day, if we are trusting Christ, we will know him fully at that day of resurrection. Is that your hope, Christian? Is that your desire to, do you long for that day to come? How often do we hear about the end when Jesus will come back again? How often do we think about it? How often do we allow it to influence the way we live our lives day by day? Christian faith is difficult, as we've just heard, as we grow each day. But are we aiming for that end goal? Allow that end goal to be your motivation, too. Knowing that we have that to enjoy. When life is difficult now, we know that it will not always be difficult. But there is a hope in the future. And Paul ends his chapter by focusing on that. In verses um, 18 to 19, he's, he's described those people who have taken their eyes off Christ, people who've set their minds on earthly things, as he says in verse 19. People who are enemies of the cross, cross they've, they've deserted Christ and the gospel of grace. They've turned to other things. And Paul says to the Christian, but our citizenship is in heaven, verse 20. And from heaven we eagerly await a saviour, our Lord Jesus Christ who by the power enables him to bring everything under un, I'm sorry by whose power enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body that's a wonderful hope the gospel is not just about being saved from our sins but it's about being saved for something else in the future eternal life a new resurrection body And so the metaphor of running a race ends by pressing on towards that end goal of being called up to receive that prize. And maybe in Paul's mind he had um, the the victor's ceremony when they go up to win the prize. You've seen it at Wembley. The winners of the FA Cup, they go up the steps and they receive the trophy. They have earned the trophy, but we don't have to earn the trophy. Christ has earned it for us. We trust in Christ And we go and we receive it by faith. That's the gospel. And one day we will go and we will receive it. And what will happen on that day? Well, we will have new bodies. New resurrected bodies. No longer 
subject to decay and death and sin and suffering and struggling and persecution, but free from all those things. A new body that will be like his glorious body. We're citizens of heaven and we will dwell on the new earth. Do you view life in such a way? Do you think about things from that eternal perspective? Does the way that you live day by day, is it influenced by the fact that you will live forever? Do the things that you do seek to make a difference that will last for eternity? Hey, we must confess that no, often we don't. Often we are distracted by the here and now. The cares of the world, the, the, the pleasures of the world come and, and consume our thoughts. We're taken over by those things and we forget that there is a heaven to look forward to. Or sometimes we, we focus on the sin and the failures and the bad decisions, the illness that has taken over our body, the difficulties of that. And we forget that it's not going to last forever. Often the way we live our lives, the way we view our lives, shows a little bit of what we think about the future. When I was at university, I had a friend who was a great Christian, a really passionate evangelist. He had a very infectious, charismatic character. He was really good with with non-Christians. But in 2003, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And he went through a series of chemotherapy treatments. And he was really unlucky, to use the phrase, because he had terrible side effects from head to toe, all sorts of difficulties and illnesses and trouble with his body, let alone the leukemia. He had a tough time. There were signs of improvement. He went into remission once. But then one July afternoon, he collapsed. His body had had enough. Septicemia had set in. The next day, he died. But I remember eight months before that, and he rang me on the phone, and he said, Andy, I've relapsed into leukemia, but you know, it's going to be okay. Because whatever happens, we win. If God heals me, I will live my life to tell everybody about it. But if he takes me, I will be rid of this body. And he will give me a new body. He had the right attitude towards life. He was what Paul says in verse 15, the mature ones who took the right view of life. It's about Christ. He could join Paul in chapter 1, verse 21, where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. These are big concepts, big things to think about, big challenges for us in life. How do we feel about our Christian lives? Are we weary? Are we tired? Are we struggling? Are we disillusioned with Christianity? Are we struggling with doubt? Are we distracted by other things at the moment? The Lord wants us to come back to him this morning, to remember the gospel, to remember all that Christ has done, that we trust in his righteousness, and that he knows about the things that we go through. He knows about the difficulties. He's there with us. He's using them to make us more like himself. But he also wants us to know that there is an end point, that there is a resurrection for us to experience. 
Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 talks about the fact that inwardly we are outwardly we're wasting away, our bodies are decaying and, and we suffer all sorts of things. But inwardly we are being renewed day by day, becoming more like Christ. And he says, don't focus on what you can see, but trust in what you can't see by faith in Christ Jesus. Let's look to heaven. Let's hope in the Christ and live our lives in the light of eternity. So as we close, just a reminder, if you are not trusting in Christ this morning, trust in him by faith. Don't trust in yourselves and in what you've done. As we live our Christian lives, let's not um, trust in, in our good works and things that we've done, our successes, but let's push on forward to do more. Let's not allow the sin and difficulties of our past life to hinder us from serving the Lord, but to look to Christ, to strain forward through whatever may come our way, allowing Christ to transform us and change us even now to become more like him, so that one day we will fully be like him. There are wonderful words in 1 John chapter 3. I'll read these to close. And John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know about us is that it did not know him. But dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been known. But we will know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Let's take a moment just quietly by ourselves and think and reflect on on these things. Pray through some of the stuff that God has been speaking to you about this morning and then we'll sing.